Ahoy there, me hearties. This be Captain Silverhook, and you're listening to the Two Old Pirates podcast. Set sail for an open sea of stories, tales, and some really crazy stuff. I expect you to like and subscribe, lest you be walking the plank. <laughs> hey, welcome to Podcast 31. Vinny's back. Eric's here. It's been a couple weeks, but uh, you know, th- a lot of busy stuff going on and stuff. And so uh, we're coming to you with Podcast 31, and uh, we're switching it up a little bit. And we're going to be talking about what tonight? We'll be talking about some sad songs. Because 2020 hasn't been sad enough. We're going to try to, we're going to start, we're going to begin the new season of Two Old Pirates and also simultaneously start winding down yes. the worst year in recorded history with songs that are really sad. Since uh, this is our first podcast since we did our one year anniversary, uh, we decided, you know, should we, you know, should we do something fun, entertaining, a little dancing, you know, music, the bubbly, you know, champagne. No, no, it's 2020, no. and this year sucked balls. So uh, we're going to be doing one on the saddest, de- most depressing songs. Now, what we do want from you, and what do we want from them after this? You have some sad songs yes. that you've heard that we don't talk about in here. We want to hear your thoughts on it. So drop a comment if something like if like if if you've already got a song up here when we said sad songs, and you're like, oh I, man, I hope they mention blank, and we don't. Yeah, we don't. Let us know because Absolutely. we might be able to make uh make another like a second installment later on down the road and cover songs that would be called volume two volume yeah volume two two. dose sad songs part two (laughs) deal with so we're not just yeah this is not going to just be boyfriend girlfriend yeah it's it's not just breakup songs it's not just songs about death these are these are songs that deal with a multitude of things a lot of topics you know covering and and love and death are two of the subjects that will come up but but also you, you might think back to some of these songs and they might have touched you in a certain way with a loved one that you lost or something that you saw on TV or a, just uh, there's so many different way, avenues that these songs could have touched you. But like we said, like Vinny said, if there's a song that we don't talk about on here, comment, leave a comment. Yeah. Don't send us a message yeah. on our phone if you know we us can't. and stuff. We Put it on yeah. there so other viewers can see it and say, wow, and they'll get to comment. Yeah. And we love to hear from you guys. Yes. And, and, so plus, it, and plus people can give, you know, people can respond to your comment or give it a thumbs up or whatever. That way we know, like, if we missed a song and it gets some thumbs up, then we know we really dropped the ball. And yeah. that's, that's got to be And that's got to be something. And that's why we would have the volume two. And there will be one at the very, very end that will be what I consider and yep. Vinny has yeah. to consider. I think most, especially men, will consider is like the saddest song, bar none. It's, mm-hmm. it's the creme de la creme. I never eat a pig because a pig is a cop. I better yet a Terminator. <laughs> As you can see, we're in good we're in good spirits. We're happy to be here, and although what we're touching on is going to be maybe uh, the themes will be sad. We want you to know that we're so so happy to be back together uh, doing another podcast, and we hope that you guys enjoy this. And like how Vinny said, share it. Uh, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Yeah. I know some of you guys haven't subscribed. We're going to see if we can hit 400 before the end of the year. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to let Vinny start off. He's going to go, and we're not going to do it in any particular order like country, pop, rap, yeah. or anything like that. We're just going to ping pong off of each other and explain a little bit about the song, and, and then we'll jump on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and do my first pick, uh, which is uh, The Freshman by The Verve Pipe. From 1997, it peaked at number five on the Billboard singles in uh, North America, 
And uh, it's this is this is a band that I always get confused with the Verve. Right. They are completely separate bands. Bittersweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but hearing hearing this song, uh, the th there's a lot of emotion in the lead singer's voice, and I I compare it, I liken it to that song. Uh, mm, 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 by the crash test dummies, how each stanza is about just something terrible that happens to just some random kid or whatever. But it deals it deals with a multitude of, of topics. So each each stanza is kind of its own self-contained, almost miniature story, and it, it covers a, a wide range of topics that uh, that are that have a lot of gravity to them. You know, it deals with uh, subject matters of uh, there is a breakup involved, and then there's also it talks about suicide. Um, and and the struggles of life, and of course the, the 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 reason why the song is called the freshman is because it's about um, well the opening of the song is when I was young I knew everything, and that really just sets the tone for the rest of what's about to come. Is that when you're young, you don't know everything. You have a lot of learning to do all throughout your life, and it's it's just that echoes throughout the whole song as they tell one story it it brings you back with that and um just all those little mini stories together add up to a really somber piece um i'm gonna bounce off of that with um that's from the 1990s yeah. correct 97 i'm gonna jump back to 1939 uh, <laughs> okay you're gonna jump back you're gonna billy holiday is considered an american treasure uh and she released a song in 1939 called strange fruit and as a history teacher, you know, this really hits home and stuff. But basically it was a song about she was comparing um, African-Americans that were being lynched in the South and hanging from the trees. And she talks about blood on the leaves. And it's very, very, uh, uh, she explains it in, in terms as she sings very, very clearly to where you can almost imagine these bodies hanging from the trees. And it's called Strange Fruit because it's supposed to be fruit trees and not trees with bodies hanging from them. And it was about the lynchings of African-Americans. Now, this is 1939, way before, you know, a lot of the civil rights movements really got going. So for it to have been played at all on radio in parts of the country was astronomically rare, but it did get out there. And it became such a uh, part of American, the, the fabric of America, that in 1999, Time Magazine labeled it the Song of the Century. So you got to think about all the singers and bands and songs that came along, uh, and it was labeled the, the, the best. And it's because it captured in 1939 in an African-American woman's song uh, what it was like for an African-American to sometimes drive past a tree and see another African-American hanging by his neck and be, having been beaten and tortured, and it looked like strange fruit hanging from the trees, waving in the wind. So that's mine, Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. It's a hell of an opener. What's your next okay. one? Well, I, I don't know if I can top that, but uh, my next one is uh, Brick by Ben Folds 5 from 1998. It peaked at number 19 on the Billboard charts. Uh, Brick is a very somber song. It's uh, very piano-driven. Uh, ben Folds is, a, is, is, quite, is quite the pianist. He's very talented in that regard. Um, uh, and the song deals about a, a unwanted pregnancy and trying to trying to hide that from from the families of mm -hmm. the boyfriend and the girlfriend until the point where it can no longer be hidden anymore and they have to make a choice and of course this is a song that deals with the topic of 
abortion. And what, is, the, and what they'll do in it. Yeah. And, and of course, and also teenage pregnancy as, as well. So these are two very heavy subjects. This song deals with teenage pregnancy and trying to hide it, the shame that's associated with it. And, and ultimately, it, it handles the topic of abortion, not directly. It's not, as, it's not as direct as Strange Fruit, where within the first stanza, you already know what this is about, and it just hits you like a brick. Uh, this song is more, you have to pay attention to it. It has kind of a soothing, almost like a haunting melody to it. Uh, yeah, sparse sounding. It's a, very, it's a very sparse song. Okay, um, I'm gonna. There, there's one song for anybody who's ever been in love. If uh, "Love Hurts" by Nazareth, mm. it's a cover of a 1960s Everly Brothers song, and you'd have to look up those. But th that was like country rock. Uh, this Scottish band Nazareth took it to another level, and if you've never heard it, uh, I hope that you'll listen to it and you listen to the lyrics because this. It's a cover. He didn't even write the song, but he makes it his own, the lead singer of Nazareth, with the sheer pain of what love can do to you. Love hurts. And he's basically saying nobody ever escapes without feeling some of this. And um, it's just an amazing song for anybody who's ever had to go through heartbreak. So if you've never heard of Nazareth's Love Hurts, it's been on plenty of commercials and stuff. Listen to it on Spotify. Yeah, uh, that, that's one of those songs that you recognize the hook from it. Yeah. But but you never you hear to, the whole yeah, picture. You listen to the rest yeah. of the lyrics, and it, it it hits you right in the heart if you've ever had your heart broken. And his voice is so raw. It, so yeah, mine is uh my next one would be Love Hurts by Nazareth. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm still gonna dial it back up. I notice a lot of mine are kind of from I, I, I think they're all within the same like ten year period. Well, no, one of them's not. But uh, we're going back to the year 2000. Uh, Stan by Eminem or Slim Shady. Marshall Mathers, whatever you want to call him. It peaked at 51 on the, on the Billboard singles charts. Stan uh, is, uh, it's, it's a very complex song. He's a very talented vocalist, and he can speak very fast, but at the same time, you understand what he's saying. And he, he has that anger to his voice, that, that very visceral, you know, there's emotion in Eminem's voice. And there's, there's very few rappers that can encompass that. Uh, Stan is a song that is built upon Eminem's um, ability to, to rap and tell a story, and it is interspersed with samples of uh, Thank You by uh, Dido to mm -hmm. soften it up and, and kind of pad things out. And it's a story of a, of a very obsessed fan who just wants a shout out from his idol, someone he looks up to who is Eminem. So it's a song that's told through the stories of the letters that Stan is writing to Eminem. Uh, and it just keeps building and building and building. And you can tell that he becomes unhinged in the process. And, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, is Eminem getting these letters? How's, how's he going to respond to these? What's going to happen at the end of the song? You know, how does this conclude? So since we're not necessarily telling you how the songs end, how they go, and we're not spoiling them for you, um, you know, this is a song that, that clearly deals with obsession, obsession, derangement, schizophrenia, I guess you might even yes. want to say something like that. Uh, so this is, this is a song that's about mental, mental health, mental illness, um, about being obsessed, someone who's just so hyper, they base their life around this one this one idol and they want to become that person and that's what it's about so you have Eminem with his ability to convey that story 
and the anger in his voice, the anger that you can hear from Stan as he writes these letters. And then you have Dido's voice, who's a very, very calm singer uh, from her song Thank You, which was also a, a hit single. And it, it, spaces, it spaces it out and kind of lets you relax a bit before Stan writes his next letter. It's, uh, I just want to go on top of that. Um, you know, I'm not, you, you can ask anybody, I'm not really into rap, but the first time I heard Stan, I was blown away. And it, uh, I highly recommend, you know, if you, for a person who doesn't like rap, it's an amazing, amazing song. Uh, next one I'd like to talk about is a song called He Stopped Loving Her Today. If you know anything about country and you've ever heard of George Jones, this is his biggest hit. Came out in 1980 and it hit number one on the country charts. Um, it is a basic love song of his first, re his first real love and how it didn't work out and she basically left him. And I'm not going to release why he stopped loving her today is the title, but it was an unrequited love and she left and they do get back together near the end. I can't tell you how or why, uh, but he stopped loving her today is an amazingly sad song of what can happen when you have unrequited love for years for someone who has moved on and you haven't been able to move on emotionally. Mm -hmm. You're living in the same emotion with that person and that hurt and it's there every day. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't checked it out, George Jones, he stopped loving her today. Give it a listen and try to put yourself in the man's shoes because if you do, it's, it's a hell of a pair of shoes to walk around in. Yeah. My next one in line uh, is Nothing Compares to You, but it's not, it's not Sinead O'Connor's version. It's actually the version from 2016 that was recorded by uh, Chris Cornell uh, following the uh, death of Prince. It was released uh, a few months after uh, Prince passed away in 2016. Um, it did not chart on the main Billboard uh, singles chart, but it did reach 34th on the mainstream rock chart, the U.S. Billboard mainstream rock. Um, and it's, it's a cover of Nothing Compares to You, the, the Snade O'Connor version that was, uh, that was uh, written by Prince. And Chris Cornell, he's one of those singers, when you hear his voice, you know who it is. You know, whether, whether you're listening to Soundgarden, uh, Audio Slave, Temple of the Dog, when you, when you hear Chris Cornell's voice, you instantly know that it's him. And you know that the emotion he can put into that less than a year after this single was released, Chris Cornell would take his own life. And listening to this song and what it's about, about it's very breaking up, it's, it's a haunting song and the, the, the lyric, all the, all the flowers that you planted mama in the backyard all died when you went away. You know, those, hearing, hearing those lyrics, hearing them come from somebody who was going through a lot of personal anguish at the time and nobody knew about it. And for, 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 for Chris to, to wind up taking his own life by suicide less than a year afterwards, you go back and you look at you know, the last few things that he did as, as an artist and you see this song there and it's almost like, man, we should have known there was more to it than him just wanting to cover the song about Prince. Like this is a, this is a cover that's coming from a place of hurt. You know, um, what I wanted to add with uh, Vinny is that what he's talking about is the pure emotion that comes through with Cornell's version. Uh, there's, there's singers and then there are just like artists mm -hmm. and you know, any, and, you know, there's a lot of people that can carry a tune and sing, but to me, like a, a true artist is somebody who 
they take their emotion and and mental emotional problems that maybe they've ever had that they've ever gone through and they can put that into a version of a song and make it their own moving on i'll throw out a song now um there's a song uh by the metal band called corn and they have a song called daddy and i was recommended i put out feelers to friends family ex-students and i said hey if anybody knows a song that you think is just really disturbing sad depressed depressing, uh, anything like that, that we can add into this thing. And I kept on getting this song, Daddy by Korn. Now I've read the lyrics, I have not listened to it, but in the lyrics, uh, basically I heard that they never play it live and they do get it on tape for us to be able to hear the anguish that he goes through. So he's able to put his emotions like that uh, into the song, Daddy. Uh, but you would have to listen to it because from everybody that told me, once you listen to it, you can't unhear it. And I didn't want to put myself there emotionally. So I'm sorry for our listeners, but I did not listen to Daddy by Corn because I did not want to, I read the lyrics and that was enough for me. My next one um, from 2002 is uh, Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt, which um, I don't believe it charted on the Billboard singles, but it was 56th on the country chart. And, I, and it should I, have been higher. I think that's one of as the, we look back, it should have been higher. It's one of the greatest performances I've ever heard. Amen. It is. It is incredible. Uh, it's a cover of uh, the Nine Inch Nails song of the same name from uh, from their 1994 album. Um, but Johnny Cash recorded this for, I believe, his final album, yeah. American Four. Four. Yeah. The Man Comes Around, uh, and it's the music video is when you hear it when you hear Johnny Cash singing it. He's so old now. His voice is very... It's very fragile, yes. frail. Yes. And it's it's gone from a song about heroin addiction to a man who's lived a life of just, you know, partying and not necessarily partying. That may not be the right word, but but living large, living living big. Self-abuse. Yeah. Self-doubt. And, and, and it's, it, it's, it's about somebody who's lived a very big life and he's facing his own mortality and he's like is it really worth it there's certain songs yeah there's certain songs that when the first time you hear it then i heard you know his gravelly shaky weak voice because he wasn't well he was older mm -hmm. he was ill and you just it wasn't about heroin anymore no it was it, it was almost like it was written by trent reznor for one topic but once johnny cash got a hold of it it changed the yeah. dynamic. The whole to me, it'll made... never be a Nine Inch Nails. I, no, it sounds crazy. He, he made it his own. Even even Trent Reznor, yes. when when he heard the cover, he said, "This is Cash's well, song." Now. Uh, the the way he it wasn't because he could hit certain octaves or something. No. It was the humanity. It was the scare scaredness of death, of his own mortality, mm -hmm. of what has he done with his life? Was he a good man? All these mm -hmm. things. It was a magical, magical recording that touched people's. Hearts. I mean, it was amazing. I don't mean to be cutting into yeah. Vinny, but the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this yeah. is so good. Yeah, but but Hurt wound up being, I mean, I think I think once Cash passed away, because his wife died mm -hmm. six months after the single was released, Cash died four months later. Yeah, yeah. I he, mean, literally. He died right, right afterwards. He right died afterwards. Broken heart. Died of a broken heart. And to, to, to go back again, almost like with Chris Cornell, after he passed away, going back and listening since he's an older singer singing mm -hmm. um, he's looking back on a life. Mm -hmm. That's basically what Vinny's talking about. He's looking back saying, is this worth it? 
did I lead a good life? Should I have done this? It's almost like he's questioning things, but he knows that the, at the end there's nothing yeah. he can do. That it's gonna matter. be there's still gonna be a finality, and so he's just trying to purvey through this song. And it's so weird because he doesn't change the lyrics. No, he doesn't. The lyrics are the yeah. same. He didn't change anything. It's just the way he delivers it in that voice. It is so so amazingly emotional and haunting and brilliant and it's it's an amazing song yeah, if you've not heard it you have to go listen it, to this it, song. It, it will stick with you yeah sorry it's uh, all right it's all right i mean we're gonna make it, <laughs> we're, gonna make it. <laughs> all right, we're gonna switch back to 1965 with a man called otis redden a lot of people know him for his one big hit uh sitting on the dock of the bay which he died in a plane crash the week before that hit number one but the song i'm going to talk about is a 1965 song called i've been loving you too long and it's not a dance song. And if you just listen to the lyrics, it is a man who is totally infatuated in love with his woman, and she's moving on. She, you know, he was he was another notch in her belt, and he can't understand that. And it's so deep, and it's so raw, and it's so emotional about how he's basically almost pleading with her, like I've loved you too long. He knows he should let it go. He knows, but the love is so good to him that he even says in the song, "I'm addicted to you." So. Every day he grows even fonder of her. He loves her more. And when he says, I've been loving you too long, he's telling himself, he's like, look in the mirror. Why am I doing this? She's just hurting me. She doesn't care for me the way I care about her. And so he's saying, I've been loving you too long, but I can't stop. I love you so much. So he's going to go down in flames like some of these other songs because he's loved her so, so long. And, and he's going to love her probably forever, no matter what happens in his life. But to her, it was just a, yeah. another romance. It was just... You know, it's not that she was mean, it's just it didn't work out. And to him, she was everything. So uh, I've Been Loving You Too Long by Otis Redding, 1965, hit number 21. That was his second biggest hit ever, and unfortunately he was taken far too early. And his last hit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What's your next one? So my, my next one is from the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen, uh, from 1994, uh, Streets of Philadelphia, uh, from uh, the soundtrack, the movie of the same name, Philadelphia. Starring, Amazing movie. Yeah, Tom Amazing Hanks, soundtrack. Denzel Washington. If you haven't seen the movie Philadelphia, it deals with uh, the life of a um, uh, person who works for a attorney's law firm, uh, portrayed by Tom Hanks, who is a gay man who is uh, HIV positive, and he is fired from his job because of discrimination. And Denzel Washington portrays the lawyer who. Uh, who represents Tom Hanks' character in, in the movie. And Streets of Philadelphia was written for the movie. Uh, I've, I've put it so high on my list, it, it, it peaked at number nine on the Billboard Singles chart. Now, even though uh, Philadelphia is a movie that deals with uh, gay rights, gay matters, HIV, AIDS, which was very serious still at the time, Streets of Philadelphia, um, it, doesn't, it's not, it doesn't specifically mention uh, homosexuality or, or AIDS, HIV, but it is a song that deals with mortality. Somebody who is gravely ill and they're aware of it. You know, my clothes don't fit anymore. They've, cause they've lost so much weight from their illness. They're, they're wasting away in the streets of Philadelphia. They're, uh, you know, it's my, I can feel my blood in my veins, you know, uh, it's black and it's, it's, it's a song that's very, that's very haunting, but Springsteen wrote it that way so that it wouldn't necessarily be specifically tied to AIDS. It could be about cancer. It could be about uh, leukemia. It, it could be, it, it could be about AIDS. It could be about mm -hmm. any type of, uh, any type of uh, illness that 
is ultimately terminal. And it's, it's about the person being aware of it. And this is an interesting inclusion because it's really common in music videos for, for the performers to just kind of lip sync the words and the scenes that are being filmed, but they did not do that for Streets of Philadelphia. So Springsteen is wearing a jacket as he walks through this, this derelict city and he has a, there's a microphone hidden in there that's recording. He's actually singing in the video. So it's a completely different vocal track from the album version as well. Streets of Philadelphia is more about the awareness that you are slowly slipping away and that at some point you, you know, will, will, will there be an angel to accept you? when you finally do. And that's, that's what the song is about. So. Um, my next one is another country song. Uh, there's a lot of freaking. there's a long list of country songs oh, that yeah. I could have picked there's, from. There's but, a lot. But, we had to prune a yeah. lot of them out. This next one, and like I said, there was a long list. Uh, this, to me, I've looked on numerous websites, and this is always the number one saddest country song ever, and it's called Concrete Angel by Martina McBride. Came out in, I believe, 2002. And it hit number five on the country charts. Didn't even hit number one on country charts. But this is a story of uh, basically a child abuse. And a little girl, she's seven, and the continued child abuse and the teachers aren't catching it and her friends aren't really catching you know, what's going on and stuff. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it, it, there's a reason why people universally have this as the saddest country song of all time. Um, so it's not going to be like your regular, you know, cotton-eyed Joe type song stuff. This is going to cut to the bone and it's going to be sad and you're not going to feel good after listening to it, but it is on uh, numerous, numerous websites. And uh, when I brought it up to people, people would say, hey, play this song, play that, and talk about this. I was all, what about Country Concrete Angel? And they'd be like, oh. Yeah, and they like grab themselves like that. That one's a tough one. So if you don't want to delve into that, don't do it right away. But, but I highly recommend Martina McBride's Concrete Angel uh, dealing with child abuse. So we've talked about all different things now. We've talked about, uh, he just talked about HIV and AIDS with Streets of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. and now we're talking about child abuse. We've talked about people breaking up. We've talked about abortion, abortion, obsession, we're, schizophrenia. Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to give you yeah. a, a multitude, a tapestry here of depressing songs yeah. so that you'll understand it's not just about breaking yeah. up. It's not just about love and death. It's about, sometimes it is about death, but how that is perceived in different ways. And that leads me into my next song, A Pretty Liar by Thousand Clowns. Uh, is Which I had never about, heard of. A lot of people don't even, don't even know this band ever existed. They released one album in 1999. This is the final track off of that album. It, it was not released as a single, so it didn't chart. The album itself did not chart um, at all. Uh, they're known, this band is known for appearing on the soundtrack of the movie Good Burger, starring Keenan and Kel. Like that's, that's not that bad of a movie. Yeah, but they didn't use this song for Good Burger. But basically... But through that, he found yeah. this song, which shows you why you're listening to this. You're learning new stuff. Yeah. I didn't know about this. He showed me this, so I learned something. You'll be learning something. So if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, check this song out. I actually liked it. And it's basically, it's called Pretty Liar. And it's, it's written, the lead singer of the group, his name is Kevin, but he goes by Kevy. Uh, that was his stage name when, this, when the group was around. And it, it's, it's a song about him growing up with this, with his father. His, his pop was the pop. His pop was, was on top, you know? And if, there was, if he ever had a problem in his life, his father would know how to handle it. If he was sick, if he, if he hurt himself playing outside, you know, whatever it was, his father was always there for him his whole life. And he looks fondly back on those memories 
and he he grows up and he he moves you know he starts attending college and then he finds out his father is actually dying and what has happened is that his father is hiv positive and nobody told him his father never told him his family never told him they covered it up he was a he was such a pretty liar as the chorus goes so it makes kevy it makes him as he performs this song it makes him think about was it right for him to have lied to me for me to not know this about him does it change how i feel about my father just he wanted him to have nothing but positive memories as the pop who was pop who was always there and and this one specifically unlike you know because streets of philadelphia while the movie dealt with hiv and aids this the song didn't but this song references it specifically and that is the focal point of it okay well i'm into my final four i'm big final basketball four? fan okay. I, I got my final four and then i'm going to have the number one which i don't care what anybody says it's number one but going into the final four um this one deals with females uh and teenage angst and and and, and trying to fit in and all the different parts of being a a kid and a teenager. It's called At 17, and it's by Janice Ian. came out in 1975 and hit number three, and it's basically told from the point of view she's never really known love or affection from a boy, and she's her face is not very pretty, and she's not going to be a beauty queen, and the girls that are on Friday nights that have dates while she sits at home imagining somebody will call. It's a very deep, moving song. Um, this is from a girl's point of view at 17. And it, the, the famous thing is, I learned the truth at 17. That's what she says over and over in the song. So she's trying to say that up until 17, she was living under the, the idea of, well, it'll change, it'll get better. I'll be, you know, I'll turn pretty overnight or something like that. And then as a 17 year old, she says that. I learned the truth at 17. It's a very uh, melancholy song. Uh, it, it's not overly sad. It's just the realization that uh, you're at where you're at and things might get better, but for you in high school, you're trapped in your little area and you're never gonna be one of those popular people and you're never gonna be one of the most beautiful or the most successful. And this is where you're at. And, and she's saying, I learned the truth at 17. So it hit her all at once in this song. It's a beautiful song, mm -hmm. but for the, for our female listeners, really give this a listen to because everybody goes through these stages where you wonder, do you, you know, do you match up? Do you measure up to other people? And that's the one thing you shouldn't do. You should just be happy with who you are and what, what you have. Uh, screw everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if, if I may, yes. may I interject with a quote from one of my, one of my favorite essays that was actually turned into a spoken word song. You may have heard it. It's called everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. The race is long, but in the end, it's only with yourself. So that's Janice Ian at 17. I highly recommend you look that up, ladies. And, or anybody. Yeah. What's your next one? Well, I actually, my next one is my final one, so if okay. you want me to hold off on that. Well, I can, can do another one then. Yeah, you, 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 you can right. do your next one. Let's keep the depression going. <laughs> um, if you've ever, how can I put this? If you've ever had your heart broken, uh, when you are really, really in love with somebody, the hardest thing to do after the breakup is to see them again. Oh, yeah. And when you see them again, this person that you used to hold hands with, that you used to kiss, that you used to walk around with your arm around, it was like this great, you know, synthesis of two people. And now it's weird because you're not together. And to me, the most perfect sad song 
about a breakup is a song called Crying by Roy Orbison. 1961, it hit number two. This song, if you've ever had your heart broken, if you sit there and listen to this very loud by yourself, I, I guarantee you, if you do not cry, you will choke up. There's a part in the song where he's basically saying that he's been crying over this girl. You know, That's not the part. The part is he says that he saw her one night, and then she reached out and she grabbed his hand to say hello. But to him, the touch of her hand was something that he had been longing for since they had always been together. And it was a normal thing. And now they're opposites. It's almost like they're strangers after all that love. And he still can't get over how somebody could love somebody that much. And then it just goes away and you're with somebody else. And then he, had to, he has to watch her walk away in the song. And she's going back into her life and he's falling even more in love with her because they're no longer together, but he's remembering and every, he just falls in with it and I'll be crying. And he say, says this thing over and over about crying because he's never going to stop crying because he's never going to stop loving her. And the thing is, the part of the song that always gets me is when she reaches out to touch his hand, that was the hands that used, they used to hold because mm -hmm. they loved each other. And now to her, it's just reaching out as a comforting thing. Like, hey, how are you doing? And to him, it's like making his heart skip a beat because it's touching and this is the affection. This is the warmth that he's been missing. He, anybody else, he could hold their hand. It didn't matter. It was her hand. And she reaches to him. And then the touching gives him that emotional, oh, my God, this is what, just for a moment, he's happy again. And it's just, it's, if anybody's ever had their heart broken, trust me. If you listen to this song, it, it fits with any, any avenue that you've ever gone through in life, if you truly love somebody in that moment that you see them for the first time after you broke up and you feel nervous inside and you feel shaky because you're like, I used to love that person. I mean, I, I, I love that person, excuse me, and they used to love me and I don't understand why it can't work out and I don't understand because we have this, and then all of a sudden they reach out and they touch you. And it's like, in that moment you have it back and then they reach back away because they're gonna go on with their life and you're just gonna sit there crying. Amazing song, 1961, uh, Crying by Roy Orbison. It'll rip your freaking heart out. Did you want me to do another one? And then... uh, you can do one more. Okay, I'll on, do on one this, more. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do one more. One more? I'm going to do one more. And then, and, and then your top one? Because, well, no. do one more. Okay, so Because I'll do one ones... more, then you do your last one, then I'll do the number one. Okay. All right? Okay, that sounds good. Okay, I'm let's talk about that. death. All right. Oh, boy. There's a song that have always made me sad, uh, Ever, ever since I was a little boy and heard it, there's a song called Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. It hit number one in 1974. If you've never heard this song, listen to it once and then don't ever listen to it again because you'll never need to. It is the story of a, of a man who knows he's dying. And we've talked about death and stuff in some of these depressing songs. But he's trying to say goodbye in his own way to certain people in his life. And like one person is a best friend that he grew up with. And he brings up childhood memories, so he's at the younger stage. Then he brings up his dad, and he talks about where, how he fit in with the family. And then he talks to his daughter, and, and he's trying to explain to her how even when he was at his lowest, she always made him smile. And he's trying to say that they had seasons in the sun, you know, when you get that warmth of the sun on your face, and you're flying a kite with your dad, or you're playing with your daughter or son at the park, and those are going to be gone. So we had seasons in the sun. And so to say, we've had years in the past, but I'm going to be gone now. And it's, it's a tragic song. It's sad. 
you know the man's dying. He's reaching out to his loved ones, his family, his friends, and he's trying to explain to each of them how much they meant to him and all the memories that he has as he's leaving this earth. And it, it'll rip your, your freaking heart out. So I highly recommend One Listening to Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks, and you'll never need to really hear it again. Uh, and my So my top pick, my personal top pick, is um, from 1995, peaking at number nine on the Billboard charts. It's Dear Mama by Tupac Shakur. And it's, you know, for all the, for all the, the gangster hip hop and, and thug life and everything like that, and all the swearing and the drug use and everything like that, this is a song Tupac wrote to tell his mother that he appreciated her. He, knew, he acknowledges that he was a bad kid growing up. She was a single parent, you know, raising two bad kids. She made miracles happen on Thanksgiving with the scraps that she had. You know, some of the, some of the lyrics in that song, um, even though she was a crack fiend, to me, she was still the queen, uh, which just, I mean, it tells you what life was like where, where he came from. And throughout all of this, you know, he, 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 the, the, the chorus is, you are appreciated. And it's like I said, it's him reflecting back on his delinquency and all the worry and the stress and the anguish that he calls that, that he caused his mother by getting into trouble, by selling drugs, by being arrested and, and everything that followed. She was still there for him to support her son. And when he was little, when he was sick, she would take care of him. She would make sure that he had his things ready for school. She would make, even though he would just cut class, she would still go out of her way to make sure she could do whatever she could for her son. And there's, uh, there's even one point, you know, where uh, 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 Tupac talks about the uh, death of his father, who was never in the picture. And he, um, he said uh, he didn't cry when, when, his, when his father died because because his anger wouldn't let him cry over the death of a stranger. Like, and it's just hearing all this together it, from, from an artist you normally associate with really hardcore rap. There's not a single profanity in it because he's addressing it to his mother and he's being respectful. And that's one of the, that's one of the, that's one of the minutia of this song that gets overlooked is how cordial it is, how loving it is, given all the things that he'd been through and, and not just to him, but to, but to everybody who, who has come from that, that kind of troubled upbringing, they always respect their mama. So Dear Mama by Tupac is, is the one, is, it has to be my number one pick because you just, you just think about it. And I mean, even, even if you're privileged enough, if you're lucky enough to have not come from that upbringing, that's still a song that, pretty much anybody can relate to. I mean, because your mom is always going to, your mom's always going to be there for you. You only got She's one your mom. mom. You got one mom. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give my number one and then we're going to give the number one. And there's no argument. I don't want to hear any argument. You can comment all you want. Damn it. But there's only one. But my number one is a song that I grew up singing and I'd hum and it has like a little kind of dancey jaunt to it. And I didn't really understand until I got older and I really listened to the lyrics, how depressing it was. But I still love the song. When it comes on, I still sing it. It's not like some of these other songs where I have to turn it. I mean, crying comes on, I turn it, right? Uh, love hurts, probably turn it. 
Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan came out in 1972 and hit number one. So it was a number one hit. And it tells the story of a, of a man uh, loses one parent, loses another parent to heart, like they're heartbroken because they lost their spouse. And he explains how the mom couldn't understand how she could lose the man that she had loved forever. And he's gone. And then it goes into, you know, he's going to get married. And uh, his wife leaves him at the church in front of everybody. You know, she never, she doesn't make it to the altar. And so he makes the final decision at the end of the song, which I won't ruin for you. But it's a weird thing that I can find. I don't want to say joy in the depressing song, but I think because when I grew up, it had always just been this like little song on the radio. And I, I knew it, but I didn't really pay attention to it, that it's never hit me emotionally to bring me down. It is a very depressing song. And he's basically saying alone again naturally all throughout the song because he's being left alone again. Either somebody's left him or somebody's died. Or so. It's a very depressing song. It hit number one. It was a big smash. And I, I highly recommend you guys listen. I don't think it'll take you to a dark place because it is kind of a, kind of got a jaunty, dancey type thing. Uh, it, it's, it's a really good song. I, I love that song. And that's my number one. Uh, probably shouldn't be, but it is. And now... As we come to the end of this podcast, we have to talk about the number one saddest, depressing song ever written. That's the one I thought it was. And put down and recorded. If you argue with me, you are wrong. (laughs) If you're an adult and you say, no, there's another song, you can comment all you want, but nothing will compare to this song. Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin. Yeah. 1974 number one song. This song, it doesn't matter if you're a good father, a great father, a shitty father. If you hear this song, you will doubt, even a little bit, have I been a good dad? Did I do enough? This song puts you in the place of a father never finding enough time for his family or his children and how that changes the child over time. Everybody that's watching this has heard it. Mm-hmm. If you've not heard it, you need to listen to it. It it kills me as a father. I've tried to do everything for my sons. And I I think, man, I know I failed on something. I know that there was a game that I should have gone to. Or I should have taken them to this. It'll make you question yourself as a father. That's why it's number one, because it makes you, even if you think you're a pretty good dad, you'll still question yourself, which makes you a better dad. And if you had a father that sometimes wasn't there for you or didn't have time for you or wasn't able to do things because they're sick or something like that, it'll kill you because you'll think back to the times that you wish that your dad would have done things with you. I don't know a guy, a man alive that can hear this song and I'm not being sexist and say, yeah, that doesn't do anything to me. If they listen to this and they think about their dad and how much they love their dad, there will be something there of like, you know, one time dad didn't show up to this. And it's not that you're putting guilt on him or anything. It's the idea that he missed something that meant something to you. And if you're a dad, you know that your boy is probably looking at you and there's been a moment in their life that you missed out on that you didn't think was that big of a deal and they've still thought about it to this day. So we're not perfect as humans. We're not perfect as dads or men. But what happened is in this song, it gives you a little bit of an insight of the laziness or the the passiveness that we'll do as fathers and we'll say i'll just get to that tomorrow yeah. or as my dad just say manana manana 
And I love my dad more than anything. You know, he's a hero of mine. And I hope that my boys love me more than anything. I try to be a good person, a good father. But I know that nobody's ever going to be perfect. And so what happens is when you hear this song, it'll make you want to be a better father. Yeah. And it'll make you respect the times that you did have with your dad if he was there a lot. Uh, you know, I know Vinny, his dad's a hardworking guy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and he, you know, he's my brother-in-law. He's a great man. I've always uh, respected him. Uh, and I know that there's probably times that he's probably said, oh, I should have done something with Vinny or I should have done this. And you can't go back and change it. But what you can do is you can look at what I have today yeah. and what can I fix today. And so when I hear that song, although it's very sad and I hate hearing it because it'll make me want to cry because you're not a perfect dad. And no matter how much you try, you'll, you will still kick yourself thinking I could have done better. I could have been there. I could have done this. I shouldn't have done this with my friends or I shouldn't have done that. And it's, you'll feel a little selfishness, but overall cats in the cradle is the epitome of sons and fathers and the relationship and what can go bad and how you can maybe make it better. And it's, it's still the saddest song because every man can feel a little bit of sadness in this song or a little bit of regret. So did you have anything to say about it? I mean, it also almost works in the inverse and that song hearing it as a son it has almost the inverse effect where it makes you aware of your father's presence in your life. And that maybe it also kind of puts some of the burden on you as a son that maybe you need to be the one to, to, start reach, things, yes. to reach out and say, yes. hey, do you want to get, do you want to go fishing? Do you want to get together and, you know, do, do something? Yeah, you know, Vinny just said something that really rings true. There's like my dad, when he was born in the 1920s, men did not hug each other. Men, you know, you didn't say I love you and stuff. It took for me to force my dad. I'd force him. You know, when I'd go see him, he was much older. He was elderly. I'd say, I love you, dad. He's all, yeah, I love you too. Boy. I said, I love you, dad. And he'd say, well, I love you too. And it's almost like you have to. And now Vinny's dad's much, much younger than my father. But I do know he probably didn't come from a household where there was a whole bunch of hugging because his dad was old like my dad. So the thing is, the, the, the idea of like how he said, sometimes the son has to bring it out of the father. It's not that the father doesn't love us. Yeah. It's not that they're lazy. It's just, it's who they are and maybe how they grew up. And they weren't given that type of affection it's because that wasn't generation. manly. That wasn't manly. You know, you, uh, that, that, that was, you know, you don't hug and kiss and stuff like that. Until my dad's dying day, I still gave him a hug and a kiss on the forehead every single time I saw him. Sometimes I'd sit on his damn lap and like, hey, baby, and stuff like that. He'd go, get off me, get off me. What do you think you're doing? And stuff like that. Because I wanted to bring that out of him, that it's okay to have that bond between a, a father and a son. So uh, Cats in the Cradle is an amazing song. It's amazingly sad, but it's um, like how he said, it's amazingly, uh, you can also use it for different reasons to make your life better with your father if he's still here. Don't skip the days that you have with those that you love because yeah. you never know when they'll be gone. That's, uh, I find it interesting that the top of yours is, is about fatherhood and mine's about motherhood. Really kind of has that synchronicity to it, and it's freaking awesome. If, that's if how I, we if, do. That's how we do things on this. If I that was unintentional too. It was. And just handed it. Just handed. If I may quote sunscreen again, get I, to know, get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. That's, that's from me. Yeah. I've lost both mine. So everybody out there, hug and kiss your parents if yeah. you love them. Love you guys. Podcast thirty one. We are done. Yep. Take Hopefully, it easy. Yeah. Can't wait to see you maybe in another three weeks. And listen, after this, listen to some songs that are happier too. <laughs>